Talking Toro 56, the podcast for a faster growing audience than Torino FC. Uh, I'm here with, with the good man, Rob Gilman. Uh, Rob, get to break with tradition a little bit and not start with uh, some of our opinions. I'm going to give you some opinions from, from some of the listeners, well, potentially some of the listeners and some of the people on, on Twitter before we go into that absolute shit show that was the match against Verona. Sorry for the language, but... Uh, we don't swear often, but when we do, we may as well make it effective. So I want to give you some feedback, Rob, and I'll, I'll, I'll lead you into it. So uh, Joel Olsen, still totally unimaginative and boring at home. Europe with zero ideas, alarming. Uh, bearing in mind, I'm translating some of these from various languages. So, and some of them I'm, I'm going to have to translate live, I've just realised. But So you might get some weird uh, English. Uh, Nige, PA, uh, Richie flatters to deceive. Don't know what's happened last two games. All the intensity has gone worrying. Um, Diego Fornero, uh, a point which means a lot more to Verona than Torino. Um, to describe this match as flat would be a euphemism. Um, some of these Twitter handles are a little bit hard to read, but I think this guy's called, I'm going to call him Igor anyway. A depressing team that never, uh, never <clears throat> shoots, never creates anything. I'm starting to get very tired of Urich and speak of the dark, but let's not speak of the derby for, for decency. Um, then someone called Mesa Corker and uh, 83 league games under Urich, 94 goals, 89 against 10th, uh, a third season of 10th place beckons. And I'm going to give you some stats, and I can't. Remember. I think this is just from a kind of opt type account anyway that someone shared. So uh, this is Torino's league positions for these following things. So uh, shots on goal, 18th in Serie A. Uh, shots inside the area, 18th in Serie A. Key, uh, key passes, 19th. XG, 18. Uh, percentage uh, rate for for shots on goal, 17th. Touches inside the opposition area, 18th. Big chances created, 16th. Uh, successful crosses, 16th. Rob, last two games have been crap. Take it away. Well, I'm not quite sure what to say there. You put the uh, the evidence in front of me that yet maybe um, maybe we aren't alone in in some of the frustrations that we've we've seen with with Urich. I think I think almost. We'll get onto the the Verona game in a little bit, but it's almost the way that the first season under Jurich was so different from the previous two campaigns. It bought him a lot of credit in the bat uh, in the bank, and we were that was the only season where we sort of on the front foot uh, attacking wise. I scored a number of goals in uh, a few games. I remember the Salernitana game and Fiorentina game. It's probably the best performance under the Jurich era as a whole. Um, and I'm not sure whether it was that these sort of memories of these performances have almost brought him a little bit more credit in the second season. To, because the narrative is almost that Juric is still sort of doing Torino a favour. He could do better than Torino. He's sort of just staying here. But I think in terms of the, the money that he's spent compared to other Torino managers, since Mihailovic got sacked with Torino in the top 10, um, after a couple of Italia defeat against uh, our, our rivals on Saturday. Um, it just, yeah, I think we're starting to get to the a place now where I think fans are not fully sort of calling for change, but things have got to improve quite quickly. Otherwise, I don't think Juric will last the season. Yeah, I mean, 
there's a few there's a few ways we can look at this. I think the contractual situation with Europe is not ideal in that the way I see it at the moment, if we hit a bad run and we don't have that kind of um long term plan in place or um yeah, kind of program in place between Cairo and Urich and, and if Urich is already thinking of leaving then that's not Urich won't finish if Urich is not Torino coach next season, he won't finish this season if that makes sense. And I think the last two performances, if you lead that into a derby, which, yeah, we'll get on to, but the derby, the unfortunate thing with the derby is we've got a two-week break then for our next match. So we can, yeah, we'll be able to kind of, yeah. Celebrate for two weeks. Celebrate for two weeks, yeah. The chance would be a fine thing. And then we come out, we play Inter. So, yeah, the fixtures aren't kind, but, yeah, just not thinking too far ahead. Um the thing I find with Urich is it's like this whole death metal guy and and for the first season we had high intensity football, we had high intensity press conferences and then you look at him on the sidelines and it's just very meek, it's that crouch down position. Uh, it doesn't really seem to react to, to anything very much. You had the, uh, Radonjic came off and behaved like a spoilt child the other day. I mean, he was, he was crap. It's been, it was a typical Radonjic performance. I know he's had a few good games at the start of the season, but I keep saying if he plays well against a team that's come up from Serie B or a team that's likely to go down to Serie B. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, thought, I didn't really like Rodon. It was just all for the cameras, what he was doing. But Juric, um yeah, I mean, how what he does on, on the sidelines is one thing, but the second thing is just the football is just so, so predictable. And um, the, la- the most successful Torino I'll take outside Mazzari, but the most successful two Torino coaches of the last 30 years, Mondonico and Ventura. There was a point with both of those coaches where I got very bored of watching three at the back. And this slow uh, slow passing and switching it from side to side has its has its uh yeah, has has its purpose sometimes, but when when you're trying to kind of break an op- opposition team down, it's just yeah, kind of death by a thousand cuts, and I think the, the disappointing thing against the about the Verona game itself is that the opportunity presented itself to change that. If he's not going to change it himself, you would hope that us not having any fit professional sort of uh, centre backs with professional experience available at the club would sort of force his hand a little. But but no, Adrian Tomezzi comes on, and, and to be fair, I didn't think he played too badly in in sort of not his position, but. Yeah, it makes you think that there is no circumstance in which Juric is not going to play three at the back. Look at the game, you know. Uh, three at the back, I don't have an issue with it per se. Verona had, didn't get over the halfway line. You do not need three central defenders when you're into a game against Verona. You're going to realise that they're virtually not playing the centre forward. Uh, they could have easily pushed another player into midfield and played much higher up. And, and especially as, like in the first half, I thought, um, Verona were having the better of the the ball and they were sort of dominating possession potentially because like you say they weren't playing a, a an out and out striker gave them that numerical advantage in the middle but like the advantage of of, of Richie and, and Illich are the fact that they are sort of ball playing should be sort of quite comfortable in possession and that's sort of how Juric's football has progressed it almost started as this pressing counter-attack team to them trying to move into sort of maybe more possession focus. But if you're getting second half, it did improve slightly. But in the first half, if you're getting dominated in possession by 
a team who are sort of their only aspiration this season will be to stay up, then you've, you've probably got to ask some serious questions. Yeah, you have. And I don't think it's all Eurich. I mean, I think if you look at the component parts of our team, we've said there's a couple of weak areas, but fundamentally, I think this is a better squad of players than he had two years ago. Uh, fundamentally, I think this team should be a lot better. I think there's just a load of players who are bang out of form at the same time as well. Excluding the defence, the central defence and the goalkeeper, the rest of the team is... Um, n- no one is above 5 out of 10 at the moment. And Duvan Zapata is not match fit, I don't think. And the, and the problem tactically we have with him is he's so isolated in that we do have pace in this team, but when we're not using it properly. <clears throat> and Zapata can hold the ball up, but often he's having to take two or three touches, might lose the ball before anyone gets close to him. I think that and that decision to obviously play quite well against Roma and then sort of three days later to then go and play him against Lazio just seems like such a short term way of looking at looking after a player who's thirty two and I don't think would have played many games in the last season where he's played two games back to back. Atalanta obviously had a lot more sort of options in terms of being able to sort of rotate and things like that. And maybe that's what, what Juric's concern is. But Zapata is not going to be a guy, given the way that he plays as well, very physical. We can't really play him in the same way that we would play Sanabria just every game because his body will break down. And if we're then in a situation where he's out for a sustainable, sustained period of, of time, we're then stuck with Sanabria and, and Pellegri, who we cannot rely on. No. Um yeah, I mean, I just, I, I do worry. I just think there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of players out of form. Richie and Illich is a problem because neither of them are playing particularly well and there's kind of maybe suspicion they can't play very well together. Well, we've barely played them together because maybe that's been what Juric is thinking as well. Uh, the wide players, as we said, they're all inconsistent and it's starting to look it's starting to look like a mistake not to, not to sign Moranchuk. Um, and sign Vlasic because as frustrating as Moranchuk could be in that sort of game on Monday, one pass, one moment of magic, uh, he may have unlocked that defence. It's just it's kind of frustrating because you look back to Juric's first season where we were high intensity um, and I look at the players and I think, well, we had we had a half, Balotti at half service, uh, Dennis Pryor played half the games um, I don't quite think he was as, as influential as other people made out. Josip Brekolo did pretty well. We had Tommaso Pobega, um, who was a player we've not really re- replaced. Uh, just that kind of physicality and, and a bit and kind of energy around the pitch. Maybe there's a bit of um, uh, I don't, uh, maybe we could look back at Rolando Man- Mandragora as well, and maybe he was a better player in in retrospect than than we thought, but. But then from last season, we should be better than last. And we're missing Moranchuk, but there's a, there should be a lot more pace in the team. But And again, the, the other disappointing thing is how bad our set pieces are as well. I mean, if you're struggling to create an open play, you've got to spend a bit more time on the training ground and get those get those corners right, get those free kicks right. I do think that we'd, all, we'd scored goals in the last two games from set pieces. Bongiorno scoring against Leonetana and, and Zapata scoring against Roma. You sort of thought, well, maybe we've, we've finally cracked this and we're going to sort of... For a team like Torino, who struggled to score goals, like you say, just being competent from set pieces 
is potentially going to add five, ten goals a season. That's something which we did so well under Mazzari, so well under Ventura previously. Um, like I, I know that the the excuse at the moment, which I know some of the players and and Juric has been using, has been the pitch. But I mean, from a set piece, the ball isn't on the ground. Like there's absolutely no excuse for you not being able to beat the first man. Um, why Ricardo Rodriguez doesn't take corners. I don't know. He had a spell of doing it um, probably two seasons ago where he was easily our best, easily our most technical uh, and consistent uh, set-piece deliverer. Um, same with Lazaro as well. I think he's probably the only other person who's right-footed who could probably de- deliver a set-piece and you'd have some faith that it's going to reach the 60-yard box. Um, but yeah, it's that sort of... I mean, I think we had ten corners against against Hellas at least, and we didn't look. We didn't look like. I don't think we even created a chance from any of them. No, I mean, I think we had we had the kind of chance for Lazaro at the end of the first half. I mean, Torino often do this with first forty five seconds. We were amazing. I thought if Dembele could, you always get the impression with Dembele like once he scores, he I, might not I, start. But... No, I've got a feeling he will never score. Yeah. Um, well, some of the chances that he has passed up. Um, I mean, it wasn't the easiest chance, but I just get the feeling that he would just he he would just go on to be one of those players who what could have been. Um, and he, yeah, he would just continue to have these sort of poor moments in front of goal. Going back to the three at the back, do you think we're missing Coffee Gigi in that the three at the back is not hasn't always been a negative system when one of the centre backs has been able to bring the ball and break forward and Coffee Gigi is not necessarily one who does that but his pace uh, maybe encourages a little bit more to take more risks um, and I wonder if like Scherz when it's Scherz Bonjour and Rodriguez not particularly f- fast defence uh, it, might, Sazanoff, be the, it might, might be the slowest defence in Serie yeah. and I haven't seen Sazanoff uh, I don't think I've had to see Sazanoff run yet and I don't <laughs> think we'll see him run for a while because he yeah we seem to the habit of losing a centre half twenty minutes into a match as well. So, um, uh, I, th- I think you think the sort of logically um, having shares in that sort of right side of centre uh, back position is probably you would think would help us a little bit more in terms of yeah you miss the pace but technically a lot more comfortable with the ball at his feet can get involved in sort of the midfield midfield play a little bit more. But yeah, I agree. Maybe not having that sort of player who's able to cover uh, that Gigi can do. Um, especially Bongiorno, obviously before he got injured, he was sort of quite like a, a marauding run from from centre back and, and join the attack that way, without having the sort of knowing that he's got sort of two two people who are even slower than him um, at the back with him. That's potentially something which is uh, stopping that happening. But it's I don't think if that's our that's not our only issue. There, there's so many other issues in the fact that we just have no sort of creativity there's no sort of ideas we uh, like in the second half uh, um, on Monday night we were just sort of just lumping balls forward to, to Zapata just hoping that he was just going to sort of take one down beat the defender and, and then fire one in the top corner there was just no, no sort of logic or, or rhythm to our play Yeah I mean I think the commentator said it was one home win in 11 um, it was one home win against Verona in nine you mentioned I think I saw a tweet from you that we haven't scored a home goal in the first half since Jan Caramo in March. Yeah. And, um, I, and I do think part of it, that was one of the main things of that first season under Jurich where 
we would make that st- fast start. And I do think so that, especially when teams are going to sort of not sort of fully come and attack, if we score that early goal, it brings them out a little bit and then opens up space for some of our more creative players and allows us to, because we technically should be a lot better than we are on the counter-attack as well with some of the players that we've got. And yeah, that, that just shows, had had Sex scored in the opening sort of four to five seconds, it could have gone on to be a comfortable night. We've seen that in the Salernitana game. We score an early goal and it sort of, it opens up the game. Um, but there just doesn't seem to be, if that is your sort of, there doesn't even seem to be that energy and that sort of urgency in those first 25, 30 minutes to try and be like, okay, let's go and get an early, any, uh, an early goal. This is going to make it so much easier for us. They're just very, very happy just to sort of knock the ball around and try and sort of send us all to sleep. Yeah, which they did. I mean, yeah, I don't think the pitch helps. Never thing I don't think helps help was the referee. Um, and I think this is a VAR thing. There was about four times in the match where it was very borderline if it was been a handball or the ball going out of play. And the referee, I think, was in such fear that if he let the play run and then there was an instant or a goal, we'd have to pull it back. Um, yeah, there was a lot of times where the game just didn't flow as well where it could have flowed. Um, and to go to your point about lumping balls, there's a free kick we had on in the edge on the just in the Verona half in the start of the second half where I can't remember, let's just say Lazzaro was taking it, but we had six players further forward and it was almost like our players were marking the Verona defenders. It was just no, there was no movement, no one breaking the lines. It was a terrible, terrible performance and we are so dull and I think the only other team in the league is dull as us were playing on Saturday. Um, we're not really selling this. Not really selling this one for TNT, are we, uh, Peter? <laughs> Dolentus, yeah, <laughs> Dolentus. Um, yeah, I mean, unless you've got anything else to talk about Verona, I mean, we're we're going to do a bit of a derby special in the second half, but uh, just focusing on the actual match on Saturday. Um, yeah, I will just caveat it in in terms of I did see a stat as well um, under Euro Richard. I think we we've not won any game going into the derby, and even going further back from from Urich as well, we never play well the day the game the game before the derby. We don't Whether play well in the derby. We don't play well in the game before the derby. We haven't. We've won one derby in since nineteen ninety five. And we're, but, we're uh, probably uh, shit after the derby as but, well. So see, I'm, see, I'm, I'm going to say like uh, last season's derby, we should have won it. I'm gonna. I'm going out there. I'm going, I'm, Which one? The, the one, one? At, the one, the one at um, the Juventus Arena or whatever they call it. Um, I don't think we. I don't two think one we go, two one going into half time. Can see the goal on half time. Two two. Carolinetti hits the bar. There were chances there for us to have won the game, um, and yeah, the game before that was the the one one draw against Empoli that I had the privilege of watching. Uh, probably, but. It is weird though, because obviously the end result is still the same. A, a, a point at home against a team that we really should be beating, but we actually played quite well against Empoli. We created chances. We were unlucky not to score. Matteo Destro scores once in a lifetime sort of goal, and yeah, we we had sort of six or seven clear cut opportunities. Going in the Verona game, we had zero, um, and yeah, maybe that's just a, a little bit of difference in terms of that mindset. But I mean, that was the home derby anyway, not the away derby. Yeah, I mean, the only saving grace is we're not playing home derby because we've been terrible in those for too long. And yeah, on our pitch, it wouldn't make, we'll just make for one, a classic 1 0 defeat. 
Um, whereas the derby at Inveneria... Uh, well, they should have no excuse for the pitch. We can use that as an excuse. Well, they're not, yeah, with all those European matches they're playing. So, um, yeah. Um, Rob, I'm not sure I'm going to watch the derby on Saturday. I'm, um, I've been thinking about this and I've kind of had enough of the Turin derby. Um, and I did a little calculation earlier. Uh, we know we know the form's terrible, but uh, in the 21st century, um, I think there've been 31 league derbies. I've only boycotted. I boycotted one before, which was the four-one we lost under Longo during the COVID season. Oh yeah, uh, which I'd known. We were just so bad, and it would have been in front of no fans. I uh, just yeah, we were going to get we were going to get spanked. And I remember going for a run. And the first time I checked my phone, we were two 0 down, and I was just like, yeah, I, I, I seem to, and I seem to remember. Um, again, my memory does seem to seem to let me down from from past games, but we scored on straight half time, and I think Simone Verdi might have even either hit the post or had a goal disallowed, which would have made it two two. But it was almost like remember the um, Germany England game from World Cup uh, twenty ten when Lampard had the goal that was disallowed. I was I was there in Bloemfontein. Ah, well, you yeah. should remember that game yeah. then. But like, it was almost like it was one of those oh that what could have been moments, but like. We it, we would have just got battered anyway. Even if had we scored, it was that it had that sort of feel about it as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I I need to convince you to try and watch the derby. Unless well, obviously, unless there's unless there's like a an event that happens where you can't do it, you've got something planned and you just can't do it. Well, I've only missed... if I'm, if we won the get if we won the derby, how would you feel? Well, I'll I'll tell you how I feel. So boycotted one. I've missed two. Uh, one because of work, one because I was tra- I was on an aeroplane. So the Lukic one, I think you went to where oh, yeah. Ronaldo, sc- and then the, there was one where Pogba scored. Uh, we were at home, we lost 1-0. Well, he, won't be doing been... that on, he won't be doing that on Saturday. No, and then I've only been to one, which I've talked about before, where it's the season we got relegated. We finished with eight men against 10 men, and we missed an open goal at 1-0 in about yeah. the 89th minute. And then all the others I've I pretty much watched on TV, apart from the... Um, Maresca 2-2, I'll call it, and the Maspero 3-3, which I listened to on the radio. And for the, you know, for my service in the 23 years of this century, I've had one win. All right? I'd, I'd, A, the match on, on Saturday, the all likelihood is we can't watch the first 15 minutes because of the blackout in the UK. Yeah, I do, I, I, I do feel like there's a bit of a, a random rule this way, that you'll turn it on at five o'clock and the game will magically appear. Uh. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know why they just don't start playing it, even if it's at five fifteen. Well, anyway, I, th- I think I think that's what they do. They advertise it till five fifteen, but it just is on. Who's going to complain that there was fifteen minutes of uh, a, a match that wasn't scheduled? Yeah, um, but I'm. Yeah, I just don't know if I've got. I've watched the last two to three of their matches that we've been horrible. I'm not confident. We're not a good team at the moment. Juventus really aren't a good team and they haven't been a good team for a while and it frustrates me that we haven't won one of the derbies when they've not been in one of their kind of imperious phases. I can't really sit there and watch like Juventini in the crowd being happy. It just uh, it destroys my soul. Um, and the only good thing is that like Bonucci's not there anymore, Chiellini's not there anymore. I okay, don't really... Ha- Quadrado's not there anymore. Like the, um, I'm really happy, by the way, as a side note, that Andrea Pirlo's doing so badly at Sampdoria. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Chiesa, for example. But yeah, I don't don't have we don't have the same rivalry of their current set of players yet. But I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it. And if we win, I'll be delighted, and I'll get a bottle of wine out and I'll watch the replay, knowing with no stress, knowing we beat them. So it's win win. That is that is a good that is a good way of uh, looking at it. It's it's not like you've mentioned it before. Hate I hate the derby. It's just not it's not an enjoyable ninety minutes. It's the one game where every usually, especially how dull Torino are, you don't really need to pay full attention to it. Like you, we can be messaging them or whatever. The derby is the one game where I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm just waiting for things to happen. I get hot. I get sweaty. I sort of I feel like I've played the game at the end of ninety minutes. And I've probably put in more effort than a lot of Torino players have in the derby in, in, over the years. But um, it is it is just an event. I think it's one of the um, things that you have to endure as a Torino fan because the payoff is so good. That like I, I will, What payoff? What the, payoff? The 2015 derby, the, win, the one we won. You know, the one we won and Fabio Quagliarelli didn't celebrate. <laughs> um, and Daniele yeah, that... Padelli, because you're not going to make let me mention him later, had the performance of a lifetime. Um I just think it in the end justifies the means because if you go into it with no expectation, we don't expect to win, then you can almost like anything that happens is a is a bonus. And that's the thing. Trust, I do think trust me. I do think say say we won the derby 3-0, Zapata scores twice, Gatti own goal. You, you you'll be like, oh, we should we should seen that live. I wish I wish I'd seen these cry, crying even teeny faces. I'll see them. I'll see them though. I'll get you know. I will. I will. I will overdose on content if we do it. I don't need to see it live. I mean, I might succumb. You know, the reality is. But the thing is, the thing is, but, if, we win, if we're winning and you're not watching, you can't then just turn it on. No, I I don't think I would. But it's just yeah, I just can't deal with the. You know, sometimes the derbies that have been easier have been the ones where we've been hammered because the, the stress levels go pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, you've, then you've got the kind of disappointment and the goading from from them. But the ones where they're in the balance, sometimes in our favour, you just know they're going to go. They're just going to go wrong. And the, num- um, the number of goals that they've scored in the last ten minutes, especially sort of in the Ventura years, were were ridiculous. I mean. That that's the worst way to to lose a derby. Torino have probably lost the derby in every single way that you can lose one. Um, other than I don't think have we had one where we've been we, like there's the famous three two where Torino came back. I don't think there's been one where Torino have been in the lead and Juventus have come back. I might oh, have just, I might have just attempted fate there. But. Yeah, I don't remember us missing a late penalty either, which worries me for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think Juve have had more kind of epic cock ups than we have, but they've had a more We've just had the amount of one nil leads or it late is, goals. It, it, it is a shame. I think we've mentioned this on the pod before. It's probably if we weren't Torino fans and you were sort of a neutral, just a fan of Serie A in general, um, it's probably the least interesting derby. Um, the Milan derby relatively even, the Rome derby relatively even, uh, the Genoa derby relatively even, and then you've got just the massive sort of it. You didn't. You know that, or you the, the chances are pretty high that obviously Juventus are going to win. All right, let's do t- team lineups and and uh, predictions. Um, uh, so, uh, Van Yuen goal. Yeah, uh, I'm going to. I haven't heard whether Sazanov is available, so I'll give you two at both options. So, shares, um, Sazanov, 
I, I think it, either way he's playing, uh, three at the back, so Sazanov or Tameze, uh, Rodriguez. Uh, we've got no sloppy sloppy, so we've got. Um, I thought Alan. sloppy was. I thought sloppy was quite good on Monday night. I just wanted to say the sloppy sloppy <laughs> thing. To be honest, it's taken it's taken a, a headline away from uh, Flash Score. Um, Bellanova right wing back. Um, again, without Tameze in the middle, you sort of stuck again in 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 having the the Richievich partnership. Do you bring Lanetti in there? It probably offers a little bit of legs, but I do think. At one point, one of them is going to come good. So I will go Richie and Illich. Lazaro, uh, left wing back. I could see Lazaro maybe playing on the right and then Voivoda coming in, but I would play Lazaro on the left. And then Zapata, Caramo. Uh, and I'm going to go Vlasic. I just think he at least he offers that uh, ability to maybe drop back in midfield if we're being dominant, uh, being dominated there, uh, and can maybe make things a little, almost make it a three-five-two. Have Karamo play off Zapata and Vasic can play as an attacking midfielder uh, who can sort of come back as well. It wouldn't surprise me for um, for Juric just to do something really silly like playing Ginitis or something in midfield or almost trying to prove a point. Well, Juventus did that in the derby last year. They played a. Baron, Baron, yeah, Baron we've never, we've never seen since, have we? He's, he's on. He's at Frosinone, I think now. Okay, that's what that's what happens if you play that badly in the derby. Okay, well, I'll um, I'll do mine. I'll do, then I'll do my prediction. I let you do a prediction. Yeah, because uh, um, uh, I they should call you Rob Urich because you you just picked the most predictable Urich team, didn't you? But uh, no, but you're going to be a lot close to. Um, I'm going to rip up the book. I'm going to go four four two, and I think Torino should be doing this uh more often. The only issue is I don't think we necessarily, when I've thought of this, we've got necessarily got the best personnel. But I'd play Vanu in goal, back four of Bellanova. I would have played Soppy. Uh, Schurz, Rodriguez, and, and if Voivoda's fit. Um, I, 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 I get, sorry, just stop you there, but I just don't think Rodriguez can play in a back. He's never played I, in a back two. Well, I would I would play, but Rodriguez left back ah. and, play, and, play another, and play Bongiorno if he was available. Yeah. But this is des- kind of desperate measures. But if but if if another centre back is fit, I'd play. But as going forward now, I would play Rodriguez as a left back, and uh, potentially Soppy as a right back. Um, and I think our full backs, our wing backs, best suits to play full back. I'll, in my central midfielders, would be Linetti and Tamese, Richie and Illic. I think a bang out of form, and actually, if it's a narrow game to bring them, bring some quality on, could be interesting. I'm going wide, so I've got two fullbacks. Um, you know, Bellanova not ideal because it's not that defensive minded if, if it had Soppy there. But I'm going for Caramo and Sec on the wings because I think the like they're playing Weston McKenney, aren't they, as a right wing back? Where they have been in some games, he I, he shouldn't be troubling our fullback out wide and give their fullbacks a bit of a headache with our Mavericks out there. Then you've got two solid guys in midfield who are at very least going to work hard. You know, you know what you're going to get. And then Zapata and Sanabria are up front together. So Zapata's happy. He's got he's got someone with him. We've potentially got crosses coming into the box and def- defensively solid. And that team is going to lose 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a um yeah, there was a one and a zero in the in the scoreline that I could see with that team, but it wasn't 1-0. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, very attacking, very brave. Um it seems like yeah, you've, you've gone from uh 
yeah, you, I think mentioned Ozzy Ardiles and last week's part. I think it's very Ardiles esque. Basically, four players who played up front for Torino yeah. uh, in attack, um, and then yeah, <laughs> I don't think Tomose or um, or Linetti would be on your Christmas card li- <laughs> list with that with that team lineup. But yeah, I, I, I don't hate it. I don't, like the thing is, actually, we do need to do something different. I think I've, I've said before with, with the Einstein quote. It's just we just do the same thing over and over again and expect it expect a different result. We need to do something different, and if that's even just playing um, four at the back or, or just even just a four three three or something, maybe make it a little bit more uh, solid in midfield. Yeah, I just think we we need to do something different. Uh, your prediction? Exactly. Surprise them. Uh, we're losing one nil. Yeah. Oh, that is your prediction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think we'll score. Um, I don't go. No, I think we'll score. Yeah. Um, I think we will lose 2-1. Okay. Good positive predictions like yeah, it. Yeah, this is why you come um, to the Talking Tower podcast. All right. Before we talk about better stuff for the Derby of our little feature, should we we got time for you to shoot the Torpedo at yeah. me before we uh, do the interlude? Yeah, should do. Just one second. So I got my first point on the board. See if I can follow it up. Second, sorry, get my uh, well, what you mean, 1930s Wikipedia. It yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to, I wanted to get your uh, your face on the screen as I have the <coughs> list of the clubs, so I can see the the angst as well. Uh, okay, so this player started their career at Caravaggio, nineteen seventy six to seventy seven. Yeah, nineteen appearances, fourteen goals. Uh, 77 to 78, Ivrea, 19 appearances, 6 goals. Then 78 to 80, Dirthona, 64 appearances, 18 goals. 80 to 82, Arezzo, 66 appearances, 25 goals. 82 to 87, Brescia. 149 appearances, 70 goals. Wow. 87 to 88, Torino. 28 appearances, 7 goals. Yeah. 88 to 89, back to Brescia. Not quite as successful as his first spell. 27 appearances, 1 goal. Yeah. Then to Verona, 89 to 91, uh, 46 appearances, 5 goals. Yeah. And then ended his career at Mantova. 91 appearance, uh, sorry, 1991-93, 18 appearances, four goals. Oh, wow. Uh, I have an idea, um, but not that, not as confident as normal. <clears throat> uh, it's obviously a little bit before my time. Piedmontese boy, clearly by the uh, initial clubs. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm way off, actually. Um. Yeah, those pressure stats are massive, though. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I have yeah, an idea. Eff- effectively, what? Yeah, effectively one in two in his first ballot pressure, and then one in twenty-seven. Yeah, and then Torino was eight-seven, eighty-eight. It was a bit. Yeah, yeah I have a play. I have a player in mind, but I. I think his parkour at Torino might have been slightly different, but I think he played for Brescia as well. Um. And it's a striker. I think this player's a striker. So, 
Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get this right, but at least I've got an answer. So you, uh, uh, yeah, I, is, I is, it, is it? I'll admit it's a difficult one, but there is a there is a, some method to my madness as well, which I'll reveal uh, as and when you get the yeah, uh, if you get the answer right or not. But yeah, it might be um, yeah, it might be a second point. It could well be. Well done. Um, all right, we're going to play in. Uh, well, we're going to do a bit of a derby eleven. We're going to play in someone who's highly likely to make that 11 so take it away Robert a vivere l'apertura di Castellini per Atta mette giù il pallone si accentra dentro verso Ferrante Buffon un miracolo e poi c'è il gol del pareggio il pareggio del Torino incredibile incredibile al delle Alpi il pareggio del Torino al 37esimo del secondo tempo guardate questo abbraccio è più di un simbolo tra Galante e Camolese tutti sotto la maratona hello and welcome back to the Talking Toro podcast for the break I set a Toropedia for Peter wasn't as confident as he usually is um, so yeah I'll give him the uh, the opportunity to sort of give us his answer um, Peter yeah, struggling. Um, and just while I had some thinking time, I, you, fingers with these, you get locked into a name. And a, Tom- it's quite... a Tommaso Violetti moment, if you will. Yeah, and you can't. And I think the only thing I'd be reasonably confident is the era this player played for Torino and the stats. But um, but I just think this player might have played later in his career as well. Um, so I don't think I got it right. My my guess would have been Franco Lerda. But yeah, I'm not sure I'm right. That is incorrect. Oh dear! It oh is. Dear. My pronunciation is going to be absolutely <laughs> terrible for this. So apologies in advance. Tulio Gritti. Oh, Tulio Gritti. Okay, yeah. The, who um, is uh, Gasparini's he, assistant manager? Tulio, and he's uh, he was assistant coach at. Um, uh, under Ezio Rossi at Torino as well. Yeah, in the early yeah, truly. I didn't. He, I never realised he was a goal machine at Brescia. So, uh, well, well, a couple of interesting parts. Obviously, we noticed from there. Obviously, that yeah, he's the assistant manager at Atalanta, uh, but played quite successfully for, for Brescia, who obviously Atalanta's big rivals. Um, and the reason why I picked him as well, he scored twice. He's gone two derbies uh, in his only season at Torino. So he scored in the Coppa Italia and in the league. Um, for for Torre. Oh, well done. So, uh, just a Franco Lerda played between 85 to 87, scored uh, 19 and 1, and then later played for Brescia. But yeah, his, Franco Lerda, was, I thought, was a bit too young. Less, less we say about his uh, spelling charge with Torino, probably, yeah. probably the better. Well um, done, Rob. An- another point, it, well, you're on a roll, mate. An interesting fact as well, I probably would never have found uh, Tulio Gritti had it not been for our feature uh, in the second part today, because it doesn't have an English Wikipedia page. That's a job given, for you. Yeah, given a, given a quite a decent career that he's had, I thought it was like a little bit, and and is currently employed by a team in the Europa League. I thought it was a bit surprising, but um, yeah, I think Atalanta fans need to get on that. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to them. But yeah, I've, um, yeah, I think it's, it, there is a little bit of, Maybe in fairness, in the fact that you are just so good at this game, I maybe need to look around um, to try and sort of trick you. Might might it's e- more easier to trick me or to sort of uh, find a player that I might not know the correct path to than, than the other way around. What, wasn't tricking me; it's, it's exploring a floor in my uh, 
my lack of knowledge. Yes, yeah, eighty-seven, eighty-eight. You're going to get that <laughs> whole squad now, Peter. Here you go. All right. Do you want to explain the uh, the eleven yeah, so this week? Yeah. So we were looking for a concept for um, for sort of a, a feature to do, and yeah, I struck upon a Derby eleven. Uh, and don't worry, don't need to switch off. It only is is only going to include Torino players. Um, but it's sort of yeah the. The method or the sort of means of qualification for being in this team is for uh, things they did in the derby, so for their sort of contributions to um, the the derby della mole. And um, I think it's got obviously there's the history of the fixture is so vast that there's so many players who could um, sort of probably the biggest sort of selection of players other than sort of the greatest Torino eleven that are available to be selected in this team. Um, and yeah, there's quite, especially in my side, so I've obviously not seen Peters yet, quite a range of um, sort of eras. And hopefully it's uh, going to provide a couple of mentions of players who don't don't often get a mention on the pod. Bring it on. So what uh, what formation are you going for? So I think I've gone for a 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, Defence is probably the area I struggled in most. Um, but yeah, I have, um, yeah, well... You see that maybe a little bit of recency bias for three of the picks, and then I've gone the other end of the scale for the fourth pick, and uh, he's actually playing out of position. So uh, yeah, apologies for for him. But um, if we start with the goalkeeper, I've got a feeling this one could be the same. Right, you do, do you? Yeah. Okay. Who, who's your goalkeeper, Rita? Uh, well, I've gone for very few from my supporting years for obvious reasons, but this is one. Um, so I've gone for Luca Pastine, who wasn't a very good goalkeeper, uh, by and large. Um, but in his Torino career, did make a couple of very famous saves. Include I remember there was one in the a promotion season against Brescia at home. One of the best saves I've ever seen from a Torino goalkeeper. But yeah, I think part of this eleven needs to be a player who basically had his his one crowning moment in a derby. Pastine in the one we won three two. We were three two up. He saved the penalty from. Fabrizio Ravanelli, who basically is a bit of a poster boy for everything Juventus, uh, so even nicer. And yeah, I can't think of uh, too many. Uh, and it's, some of these players have looked at their kind of longevity in the derby as well. So there may be, you know, you could pick the goalkeeper who got the most clean sheets, the most wins. But I think for me, I can't think of too many other really great goalkeeping performances in a Turin derby. You're going to talk about Padelli uh, in 2015. No, you, you, but, you tell, me, you tell uh, me I wasn't allowed to have Padelli or mention him, but yeah, that's, that's three mentions of the pod he's got, so he'll be, he'll be delighted. Um, um, I'm I'm chuckling because, like you say, I, I, my my derby 11 was basically Juric's bit of paper with derby 11 written down on it. <laughs> you might say you got stumbled across. I'm not just going to pick the player who's got the most clean sheets, which is exactly what I've done. <laughs> Who have you gone for? Uh, so it's actually a tie for most clean sheets, but I've gone for Lido Vieri, uh, who has six, uh, along with uh, Giuliano Terranio. Uh, uh, I've gone for Vieri as the goalkeeper, I just think. Um, clean sheets are probably something which we know with goalkeepers, especially in my area, uh, is not something they've been able to do. Even Padelli in 2015 uh, conceded the goal. Um, that's it. I think goalkeeper, like you said, I think actually Pastino probably... A, Somebody who's had a standout moment in the derby, such as saving the penalty, is probably a better inclusion than somebody who just kept a lot of clean sheets, especially in the in the era that the area and Serranio played. 
potentially might but, be a little bit more prevalent. But well, well, well done for doing the research and well done for thinking that I'd chosen Lido Vieri as well. <laughs> I think there's a very obvious answer, but yeah. Um, All right. Um, back four, we go by, I don't mind going by one by one. Uh, right back. Are we, are we picking our keeper or will we do that at the end? I think we could do it retroactively, yeah, maybe yeah. based on the vibe of the team we get to. Okay. So See how many we've got, how many picks we've got the same. All right, right back. It's Bruno Perez. I've actually gone for Bruno Perez, for, and I've I got two reasons. One is uh, probably the probably the most wow Torino goal in the derby I can remember. Um, also, just the context that Perez really hadn't done very much in a Torino shirt till then. It was a bit of a kind of mysterious signing um, it wasn't it wasn't even included in our Europa League list so he obviously didn't yeah. turn up to Turin with much um, I think it came I think, as a shock to everybody I think that was an issue with uh with the passport possibly but yeah um great goal and then he actually played in the derby win the only derby win since 1995 as well so yeah two good reasons I actually had him over Matteo Damian in my Ooh. team as well uh so I um yeah, I, I had him just, I, I've put like a reason for for each player in first derby goal in 12 years. I think that's also an important thing to mention. We did not even score the derby since 2000, uh, 2002 until uh, Perez's goal uh, in 2014. So um, I think that that alone was a, was a good inclusion for, for it. And yeah, like I say, an unbelievable goal and probably one of my favourite derby moments in the fact that if you think that I started supporting Torino in 05, I'd gone... That so 2006 would have been my first derby. So I'd gone eight years without seeing Torino score in a derby, um, which is some achievement. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that's I'd forgotten the lot kind of yeah how long we'd gone since scoring. Um, may as well do the two centre backs um, as a pair, so we can see if we do have one come. I've gone for Pasquale Bruno and Roberto Mozzini. Uh, so I have gone for. Um, because we didn't actually say positive achievements in the derby. Um, so I've gone for Camel Glick. I thought you might. To get sent off in both uh, fixtures in the same season is an achievement. Um, so, yeah, I've gone for Glick. Uh, I mean, I think Glick and Bruno as a partnership would be sensational. Um, but uh, the other pick I've gone for, which, like I say, a bit of recency bias with the, the rest of the defenders, but... <laughs> That's excused by Carlo Capra, uh, who played for Torino between 1909 and 1920. He's a right back, but somehow managed to score five goals in the derby. So, what's his name? So, excuse Car- my ignorance. Car- Carlo Capra. Capra. He was going to be next. Uh, <laughs> he was going to be the Torrepedia in two weeks' time, but I'll uh, I'll give him away now. So, what Capra means in Italian? I do not know. It's the goat. He's literally the goat. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, I'll explain. But I'll explain mine. So Pasquale Bruno um, won two of his derbies while at Torino. I didn't count how many he played, but I think it's probably about four or five. Uh, in one of the ones we lost in 1991, he was sent off after 16 minutes for two bookable offences, and then basically needed to be manhandled by about 14 mates off the pitch. It's quite a famous uh, clip. And then Roberto Policano, who could have easily made this list as well, also was sent off. He hated uh, Roberto Baggio. So when Roberto Baggio signed for Juventus, they ha- uh, Bruno was at Juventus, which is a nice little twist and ended up hating Juventus. Uh, but when 
um, Juventus signed Baggio, uh, one of the, well, I don't know if this is a mid, uh, urban, if this is true or not, but the saying goes that, but basically they had to sell Bruno because Baggio didn't, wouldn't have played with Bruno after uh, they had a fight. They were both sent off in a Fiorentina Juventus so, match. So was it that was it that uh, Bruno hated Baggio or that Baggio hated Bruno? Well, I think it was a, a bit of both. But uh, Bru- and then yeah, Bruno had uh, at Torino was yeah got up to quite a lot of of wild things. But I think you need a player in this team that we got to accept the derby doesn't always go right, and so when it doesn't go right, we've got to cause a fight. And uh, I guess your Camel Glick is your like 21st century version. I think Bruno was, yeah, a little bit more extreme. He had the backstory with Juventus. Um, so he's in for me. And then Roberto Mozzini is a little bit of a, statist- a statistical one. So he was a league winner. Torino's best era in the derbies was the 70s. I think we went 10 unbeaten. Uh, we basically had, uh, we had Juventus's number for a while. Um he got five wins, only two defeats in 10 derbies and the league winner of Torino and Inter. So he's a bit of my, he's got a bit of a kind of Emiliano Moretti vibe coming into this team. So that's, yeah, they're my reasons. Is Did you want to say anything more on, on Glick and Capra? No, no, no. I mean, well, uh, well you won't be surprised to say, to hear that I've never seen Capra play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's just one of us doing some some rare research, I think, for this podcast because obviously, otherwise, it would have just been a, a Torino team of the last sort of twenty years. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a, a bit of a statistical quirk, and I was struggling to find a fourth a fourth defender. Uh, Glick, yeah, I, I think the challenge on Giacarini might be worthy of um, entrance into the team alone. Uh, but yeah, he then got sent off in the home derby uh, for two yellow cards. And again, this is probably even the frustration about the modern day. I mean, some of the teams that we would put out against a strong Juventus side uh, in sort of, sort of 10 years ago were terrible. Uh, we did lose, but we would sort of at least put up a fight. And I think that's probably the, the frustration that's happened in recent seasons where Juventus haven't been as good and we've had better teams and still not managed to, to even get a result or even a performance. Um, I've gone... I've picked somebody out of position at left back, but there is a reason for it. You picked Matteo Damian. I have picked Matteo Damian because that's <laughs> that's where he was playing when he scored and assisted the winner in the 2015 derby. Yeah, um, I've gone. Uh, I haven't gone for Matteo Damian, um, but I've gone for. I felt like I needed someone from Le Grande Torino, and Le Grande Torino didn't actually had a decent record against Juventus, but. I don't think they ever. They're often decided by a goal or a lot of draws, or we or we won by a goal, uh, but we didn't kind of reserve any of our kind of famous hammerings for the derby. Uh, so the forward players didn't necessarily excel. So I've gone for Virgilio Moroso, uh, four wins in his derbies, three clean sheets, um, and yeah, just to have a bit of um, bit of Il Grande Torino in there. I think it's just yeah, that's um, a fair. That's a, that's, but, a, that's a fair point. But but he has probably a less compelling story than 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 Darmian in that sense. I think maybe um yeah. I think Paul, Paul Bruno Perez and Matteo Darmian, maybe there's only room for one of them. Um but yeah, yeah, no, no, I, think, I, I, I like the idea that there isn't actually anybody from uh, Grande Torino in my eleven because I'm not sure whether this is whether this is true, but I feel like maybe the maybe the derby became a little bit bigger after uh, Superga, I think though I think there's a story in um Dominic Bliss's book that 
after after the tragedy of Grande Torino, the Juventus team were on their way, I think, to an away game in Palermo and actually turned back round to sort of make sure they were in the city to attend. So I think there was maybe a little bit more of a, not that they were rivals as such or as big a rival, maybe there's a little bit more of a, a respect and sort of idea there. And then as it sort of progressed in the 50s and 60s, as football became a little bit more um, sort of rivalries were felt a little bit more deeply, maybe that's that's part of the reason why, um, like I say, a lot of Grande Torino's best performances probably weren't in the derby themselves. Yeah, uh, i got to confess, for midfield and forward, I've got some selections, but I've also got some a little bit of a shortlist. So there could be ones that are not made my cut, but are in my shortlist. So I think we okay. can play with a few, a few more names. Okay. Uh, so do you want to give me your three in midfield? And I'll okay, see. so I'll give you I'll give you each player and then uh, the reason for them just quite quickly. Um, so as we've as we discussed, uh, Ricardo Maspero, um, I've just put as my sort of reason for goal and hole, um, which it. I'm sure we might need to uh, explain to people who might be unaware. Um, then I've got Giuseppe De Sena. Uh, as the catalyst in the three-two derby win in '83, he's scoring the he's scoring the comeback goal and um, the the, two, the goal that brought it back to two-one, uh, and then Giorgio Farini uh, for most appearances, uh, which is thirty. That is absolutely stunning. Got exactly the same three. The same three. Uh, well, I've got one caveat. So Giuseppe De Sena made mine. He also scored in the two-one win in the March that year as well. Um, so he had a pretty good year in the derby. Yes. Uh, it's absolutely essential we had someone from the uh, nil 2 to 3-2. I had thought about Fortunato Torizu who scored the winner, and he was a bit like Pastene, short Torino career, only played 21 times, but forever remembered for that moment. But I think the Sena probably trumps him for, yeah, being a bit more the catalyst for that game and also um, having done well in other derbies. Maspero, he only came on in the 78th minute of that derby, Um Score he equalised at three three and then yeah the hole was the while the referee and Salas were distracted he he basically yeah um, can you um I, I'm not hundred sure if you've mentioned this before in the pod but do you remember anybody doing it before Masbara because it's now quite a common thing I've seen it I've, I've seen it in a Southampton Inter game with um, Antonio Candreva not a friend of the pod um doing it when Southampton had a penalty it just seems like it's um. Again, I think to... I yeah I think he I think he bought it to the bigger stage. I think it's probably yeah. one of those things that was done, and uh, maybe it's like one of those things until it becomes successful. And I think uh, it, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think maybe I mean, it's probably seen, probably done a lot more. But the player scored. Obviously, if Salas had scored the penalty, it would never have become this sort of legendary uh, part of the derby. But yeah, did they ever find that ball? Um, do you know, uh, Peter? Yeah, it'd be some somewhere in a shopping mall in in Venaria by now. But and I also went for Farini, um, just to give us thirty derbies, three goals. He actually scored an eighty eighth minute winner in nineteen sixty nine, which must have been pretty sweet. Um, eight wins, uh, ten draws, so eighteen of the thirty derbies unbeaten. Um, so yeah, just kind of the longevity vote, and I think just yeah, he may. I wonder if from the Juventus side, whether anyone's played that many derbies as well. And just, yeah, I think he would have really got the spirit of the derby. Having said that, I do have a alternative option. Daniele Fortunato, bit tongue-in-cheek, as the Juventus player scored an own goal winner for Torino in 1991. 
two years later, he uh, got us a 1-1 draw scoring for Toro in the derby in 93. So I thought that was quite nice, someone who's been brilliant for Torino in both shirts. <laughs> uh, a nice little twist. And went on to win the Coppa Italia and score in the final for Torino. So, And then the only other midfielder, I've got loads of forwards, um, it's just the Alberto Carelli, who um, in our biggest derby winning the 4-0 a week after Gigi Moroni's death, he scored the fourth goal in Moroni's number seven shirt. So that was a little bit my symbolism uh, angle. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be difficult to argue out of our three choices, but I'm throwing Fortunato in there. And yeah, I've, Carelli was just worth a mention, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. But st- stunning, stunning that we got three... Uh, Three similar ones. Just, Three well, I, think ones. That's, I think that's the first time that's ever happened on any of these teams that we've done. Just going back to your part about uh, has any Juventus player played as many games? They haven't. So the, the was it Body Perti? No, so only only one of the player has played thirty games, which is Teobaldi de Petrini. Um, but twenty-seven of them were for Juventus and three were for Toro. Um, the most uh, a Juventus player is uh, Gaetano Scarea. Okay. And Giovanni Vaglian. Okay. All right. So, yeah, Farini's a a good shout in that sense. Then I think the forwards, yeah, I mean, I've got three and then I've got about another four I I want to talk about. I've actually, Um, I've only got, I've got one on my sort of reserve list um, and then I've got a front three. I think it's probably the easiest area where you probably could have picked, you probably could have picked a team of strikers. Um, which is effectively yeah. what, you, what you've done in the derby uh, coming up. So. Exactly. exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I've got Paolo Pulici, Ruggiero Rizzitelli, and then I'm actually divided between Nesta Combin and Hasse Jepsen. Uh, and then I've got some honourable mentions, which we'll give later, but see how many... A little bit dull, because I've got we've got three of the four. Rizzitelli, got... Rizzitelli Pulici, Combin. Oh well, all right. I will. Um, I'll let you two you explain why you chose, and then I'll do so some of the. Uh... Ricciatelli, I think we did. We do him as a was he a court we've hero? Done him, yeah. done him as a yeah, done him as a hero. Um, but yeah, he scored two braces uh, as Torre did the double in nineteen ninety five, which up until the twenty fifteen derby was the last time Torre had won. Pulici has scored the most goals uh, for by a Torre player in the derby, which is nine. And Combi and Hattrick um, in the game after Moreni's death in net 67. Yeah, I thought when I did this, I thought Rizzatelli would be a shoe in and I thought Combin would be a shoe in. But I've got to admit, there's some, um, there's some compelling stories. So, and Pulici wasn't in my initial list, but that said, as I said, Toro unbeaten, 10 derbies, 73 78. He lost two of his first 16 derbies, two of his first 16. Nine goals in twelve game period. So Pulici is just like the most reliable Torino player in the derby, I'd say. Rizzitelli, I think other players have done similar things, but it's I think he's really benefited from how crap Torino have been in the last thirty years as well. And and then Combins was a very emotional occasion, a special derby. Torino's biggest win in a long time. But I'll I'll throw some others at you. Who is your? You said you had one in reserve. Oh, so, so. Yeah, so my my reserve was uh, Hans Kampfer, uh, who scored four goals in the derby in nineteen oh seven. Footage of that may have got lost yeah. somewhere. But... I I, di- I discounted pajama football, but uh, <laughs> um, 
but my my other ones were Sahase Jepson had a very good career at Atalanta and Napoli. Torino were rubbish in the 1950s for understandable reasons, and our derby record was probably the worst it's been in terms of short condensed period. Um, so we lost six uh, nil and five one in the uh, in the fifties, and I think we lost four by four a few times. He scored twice in a 4-1 win in 1957. It was the first win in 15 matches post-Superga. So I thought that was worth a shout um, because I, for the people of the time, that must have been a pretty epic derby win and maybe a sign that um, three they could come back. On the same note, uh, Giuseppe Virgili scored a hat-trick in 34 minutes in 1959 in a 3-2 win. Um, Grande Torino... I said the derbies were quite tight. Uh, but G- uh, Gabetta would be the shy. He scored two two one nil winners. Uh, you we obviously mentioned Paulici. Graziani obviously had a pretty decent record. He scored in three wins, but yeah, he's 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 going to live in Paulici's shadow there. Uh, Honorable mention: Joe Baker, nineteen sixty one one nil win. Uh, only British player, I think, to score in a Turin derby. Um, yeah, Tony DiRigo didn't. Uh, Joe Hart didn't. Uh, Jerry, Hitch, Jerry Hitchens did. Jerry, did Jerry Hitchens do it? Okay. Yeah. Good shout. Um, well, I only played to score a winner. I don't think Jerry Hitchens scored a winner, did he? No. He, uh, yeah. So they, he scored it. He scored twice. He scored once in the league and once in the Coppa Italia, which, were, which was which was a. I'm, it's only because I've got stats in front of me. This okay. is this isn't a. Um, <laughs> I haven't just suddenly re- developed all this this knowledge. I've I've said that I've just uh, scrolled past the the spell where we had three derbies in a row that finished nil nil. Um, my other honourable shouts: Aldo Serena, a rare 89th minute winner for Torino ninety four, but then he went on to play for Juventus. So yeah, you're not getting in the team, Aldo. Uh, Walter Casagrande, uh, two in a two nil win in nineteen ninety two. Quite a famous derby. Um, so yeah, some good stories there. I Hasse Jepsen would be the one maybe for me to push Nesta Combin. Um but score a hat trick in the four 0 win. And we don't have anyone from that match. I think Pulichi Ricitelli Combin is a pretty good way to go. I actually can't believe how few decisions we've got to make at the end of this. So. Exactly. The, the, the sort of front six players have almost made themselves. I think um, just a, just a, a bit of a mention maybe for um, Graziani, who I think might be the player who scored the second most of the goals uh, for Torino in the derby. He didn't really even get a mention, but yeah, scored uh, was a regular goal scorer uh, in the derby. Yeah, he's uh, it's actually yeah tied on seventh with the Eugenio Mosso. Uh, with seven goals in the derby. Okay. I feel like uh, um, I... I feel like Richard Osman on pointless. You're very good today, Rob. <laughs> you, you, yeah, I think that you got a real spring in your step because you got the Torah you got the Torah Pedia <laughs> today. It's, the it's comeback really... the comeback yeah. has started. Comeback started. All right. Well I I'm in a bit of a bullish mood, so I'm gonna I'm gonna Yeah, try Do you have a do you have a coach? Um we'll come on to the coach. But that's that means I've got to think about it while I'm talking about this. But <laughs> Uh, so my, uh, so Luca Pastore or Lido Vieri, I think Luca Pastore because the Lido Vieri logic, I think we've used elsewhere. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Bruno Perez, non-negotiable. I think Pasquale Bruno is non-negotiable. I'm willing to trade Roberto Mozzini for either Carlo Capra or Camel Glick. 
Um, is is there a is there a possibility that we have Bruno as our sort of tough defender, have Damian as a centre back, and then that allows us to have Morozo? Or what we could do, because that formation of Lagrande Torino would have been so fluid. Let's put Virgilio Moroso. Yeah. Or do we do we keep Roberto Mozzini in there because he are oh, I feel like he, I feel he's they're both kind of in their symbolism rather than things have done in the derby. So Roberto Mozzini, ten derbies, only two defeats, five wins, and Virgilio Moroso, three clean sheets. Uh, we need to have a representative from uh, Irrendo Torino. Morozo probably would not be people's first uh, name on the okay. Torino list. So let's definitely have Morozo in, definitely have Perez in. So I like the uh, idea of Perez, Bruno, Morozo. I think Morozo can play. I think Morozo can play centre back. Yeah. Um, and Darmian, as he played in a derby left back, and yeah, the Darmian is the kind of player playing a little bit out of position and doing well. So, so. Uh, Dosena, Farini, Maspero, Paulici, Rizzitelli, Combin up front. I mean, that 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 is kind of a, a lot of testosterone in that front line. I put it that way. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to know who's taking the penalty. Uh, but uh, coach, I mean, from the modern era, I mean, Ventura can't possibly be the coach because he lost so many derbies late on. Derby in the mid nineties where we did the double was Nedo Sanetti, who was such a journeyman coach to be able to pull that off. It's pretty incredible. Um, I would have to do a tiny bit of research now and see how any of those ones in the seventies Gigi Radici was there for, but I think probably most of them, if not all of them. Um, I have a quick look at, uh, obviously, obviously I know this anyway, but I'm just, uh, being modest, I, I can um, give you. I can give you the stats uh, or the strike rate uh, of Radici um, uh, in the derby. Yeah, Radici was only there from seventy-five to eighty. So yeah, 20, uh, 20 matches, five yeah. wins, eight draws, seven defeats. So one in four, he, he won. Yeah, that, that's not great, is it? Uh, uh, I, I can give you somebody who's got a fifty percent record. Who's that? And unbeaten, Vittorio Pozzo. Which I think was probably his greatest achievement as a manager. Yeah, I've read so many th- not pleasant things about Vittorio <laughs> Pozzo. That uh, do you ever want to be Eugenio Bersolini, who uh, was the coach of the zero two to three two? Yeah, um, and then we might be looking at. Oh, I've got a good. I've got an idea of a very legendary Torino coach. Um, uh, give me one second. And do you have a stats thing open there? I do. Yes. Do you have the stats for Gustavo Giannoni, who was uh, very famous for his hat? I do. Uh, seven derbies, four wins, three defeats. Well, I like that because he's a bit all or nothing. Um, yeah, he was. He was quite a cult Torino coach. Um, how do you feel about him? Maybe yeah. kicking off the. Kick it, kick it off the seventh. I have a feeling I've read stuff about him kind of really getting involved with the derby as well. Yeah, potentially, potentially less, uh, less unpleasant things than you would have read about Pozzo. Um, yeah, let's go for um, yeah, Giannone. Yeah, I think his nickname was, if I'm not mistaken, was it the Colbacco or something like it was. He check out his hat. He had a very famous. Uh, yeah, hat. he um, 
Is it called Baco? Yeah. Yeah, he passed away. He passed away uh, relatively recently, twenty eighteen. I, I seem to remember uh, sort of it, the tributes from from Toro at the time. Yeah, I uh, genuinely works for me, and I think he's. Um, I don't think we've ever mentioned him on the pod before. We probably should have done so. Um, you liking at eleven? You happy? I mean, I wish we could play it on uh, Saturday. To be honest, I think that that three uh, three midfield, three up front. The only thing is potentially missing. No Turin born players. Uh look, past today, Perez, Bruno, Moroso. Um uh, was Giuseppe De Zena not? Uh, uh, no, he's from Milan. Um I don't Berini was from Trieste, I think. Freely was from Trieste. Uh Virgilio Moroso. Uh this is me it. trying to get uh, Alessandro Bongiorno into the team. From from oh, he's got to win. He's not going to win a derby uh, this weekend because he won't be playing in it. So, um, yeah, you, you might be right. But I tell you what, we got we got a lot of red cards. We have got Bruno, yeah, well, Ferrini, um, and I think Nesta Combin. <laughs> Nesta Combin will have an easy red card in him. So it's probably another reason not to pick Carol Glick because <laughs> yeah, might not have many players left. I'm not sure about that defense though. So. Uh, I think we would, you, uh, yeah, I think the goal, goalkeeper struggling, um, and I think yeah, I think we'll we'll be down to te- Bruno will not last very long, um, so yeah, all right, so that's maybe put put us in a better mood for the derby this weekend. Uh, if a bit just I saw the referees already injured. They've had to change the referee. Oh. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you fancy playing centre out for Torino? <laughs> But it was like whatever. Yeah, if this was a different era, Juventus, I, I might make a comment, but I won't. Uh, and I have read, and I don't believe it's for a second that Vlajevic and Chiesa could both be out, but they'll both be there. Well, um, Vlajevic didn't play against Atalanta at the weekend. Um, I think this is this part of it's, this is the frustration about, it. and I think Bremen might have come off injured um, against Atalanta. I saw he got substituted. Assumed. Unless um, Allegri does a does a Eurich and just takes defenders off in the sort of 80th minute because he feels like it, um, but yeah, he's well. I've got a personal um, touch which I might mention to Peter last week. And my um, sister and sister-in-law will all be at the game because they're in Italy this weekend. Wanted to go to a game, and I said, "Well, if you can get yourself to Turin, you can go to the Turin derby." <laughs> um, so yeah, they may. Um, they may, they may be able to uh, give us a little bit of good luck and and finally get a, a Toro win, and not okay. we've not won away since 1995 uh, since we're the Teddy Okay, well, this is the Juventus team that Urbano Caro's paper couldn't, currently has uh, playing against. Them, what, so. I can remember there being a team. I can't remember <laughs> who it was. It might have been for the last derby, which uh, which they put in Gazetta, and it was. <laughs> Nowhere near the team despite, as well. Despite being the last time we did it. So, Chesney and goal, back three of our friend Gatti, our friend Bremer, Danilo, Weston McKenney and Cambiasso's wing backs. I mean, Caramo and Set, come on. You got to get him. Fagioli, I mean, yeah, any player called Beans, Locatelli, Rabio in midfield. And they've got Milik and Yildiz up front. Who I think I saw play in the Primavera derby, because uh, they've currently got, well, they've got Chiesa, Keane on the bench with Kostic, Weyer, 
uh, yeah, I mean, Cairo's picked this team, hasn't he? So, uh, 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 going back to the um, as soon as you mentioned uh, Timo Werner, uh, not many times that Juventus sign a player who you'd be like, I probably wouldn't take him at Torino, but Timo Werner was linked to Torino a couple of seasons ago. He'd had a spell in um, in Britain at Celtic and it wasn't massively great there. So yeah, bit of a bit of a strange one. Maybe his agents and friends with whoever owns Juventus now. <laughs> well, on that note, Rob, uh, Juventus won Torino nil. Timothy Weyer eighty nine. <laughs> You've just done it. <laughs> no, well, I'd rather. To be fair, if, if I take one thing on this podcast, I'd rather it, it's, it's going to be a one nil and not that we've uh, let a lead slip. Um, but yeah, that's the last time I mentioned that because otherwise it will make it come true. All right. Uh, Rob, this week more than ever has been therapy. Um, we will drag ourselves from whatever situation we are in, joyous hangover um, and uh, or just kind of, yeah, another defeat. Um, we'll be back well, next week. The, the thing is, even a draw in the derby just doesn't feel enough because like, because our record's so bad in any of the fixtures, you'd think oh, actually, I'd take a point away to a team who are sort of top, battling for top four away from home, but the derby, I think, it, I think it almost should be all or nothing. I, I like the idea of if we were if we were level in the last sort of five ten minutes, I'd rather we went to win it than not lose it. Uh, and yeah, if that's the the team talk for Juric that they need to listen to, this is why I need Alarana still in the team. He could have he could have played this little bit of the pod uh, to the players just before they went out there. But any yeah. other player, they're welcome to they're welcome to uh, to borrow this uh, motivational speech. All right. In the legend of the Colbacco, Forza Toro. Forza Toro. <laughs>